So back in the 50s and 60s, they came out with a television show, show called Father Knows Best. Now take a look at the picture. Oh, <laughs> not that picture. That one's confusing. They're all looking at the Father. They're all looking at the Father. There's one who does not want fathers to be honored. There's one who does not want that. And if you want to know how through the media things have changed, you start with Father Knows Best, and then you have Fred Flintstone. Right? What about Simpson? <laughs> Through the media, they started making fathers look inept and not worthy of honor at all. But you know what? That's not godly. That's not godly at all because God views himself as a father. He views himself as a father. And what kind of father is he? The very, very best father. And guess what? He knows what's best. Our father knows what's best. Let's put up the first scripture. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. <clears throat> when God created Adam, he created him without sin. He created him without sin, flawless, perfect in every way. Because he created him in his own image. And God is God who knows no sin. Neither can he sin. And there's an interesting thing that takes place when we are born again with the seed of God. When God gives us a new birth, we become a new creation. Created in him. What has changed when that birth takes place? Well, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. He says, what must I do to have eternal life? And he said, you've got to be born again. And, and he scratches his head and says, I'm a grown man. How can I enter my mother's womb a second time? I tell you what, she'd be saying no. <laughs> because the concept didn't quite hit him correctly. He thought he was talking about a physical birth. You must be born again a second time. He's thinking physical. But Jesus says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So what's born again when we're born again? Our spirit. 
our spirit, spirit now has been re recreated in the image of God. If that spirit is in the image of God, it cannot sin. The spirit that you have within you that has been reborn of God cannot sin. Why? Because his seed, God's seed, remains in your spirit. Now your body has become a temple of God. Now you house within you the spirit of God in your spirit. And his spirit bears witness with our spirit so that we become children of God. Now as children of God, we have a new creation in us, a new spirit within us, but we still have a problem. <laughs> that which we inherited from our fathers. By the way, there was a guy who was going to do a PhD and he cited that his topic would be, his theme topic would be, that having children is hereditary. Because if your parents had no kids, either will you. That's the joke for today, folks. That's, it's worth about two cents, but you know. We inherited from our fathers a fleshly body. And with that fleshly body came all the passions and desires along with it. And it's called the natural man. It's called the old man in the scriptures when we have become born again. We still have this old man within us, this old person within us. That is our flesh. And according to Galatians chapter 5, the flesh and the spirit are contrary one to the other. With the spirit, we want to serve the Lord. We want to be in communion with him. With the flesh, we want to do whatever feels best. The flesh is sensual. All our senses are involved in it. When you look in the temptation in the garden, look and see if the senses were involved in the decision-making there. They were. She saw that it was good to eat can make one wise. So our bodies are driven by sensuality. Or the spirit is driven by purity, by holiness. So the scriptures say, be holy as he is holy. There's only one way to do that. According to Paul, you got to be living in the Spirit. And if you live in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. But if you're living in the flesh, you don't stand much of a chance. Because, as James puts it, you'll be drawn away and enticed. That enticement 
that temptation that comes. So the only thing is, is being born of the Spirit and living within that new creation. Let old things pass away. Let all things become new in the newness of life. Let's have the next scripture. As is written, there is no righteous, no not one. That tells us that in Adam, sin in a world, in death or separation from God by sin. And everybody from Adam's seed forward, that of the flesh, is unrighteous, impure, flawed. All of us have fathers. Some were fabulous fathers and some were flawed fathers. But none of them was perfect. Now I came pretty close. No. <laughs> Not even close. You had a good dad? I had a, I had a, I had a dad. And he was good at times. But if I was bad, he was bad. (laughs) Fathers can only do what they're able to do within themselves. They do the best job that they can, struggling with all the things that they deal with. But here's what it says. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long on the earth. Honor them. It doesn't say, honor the good dad. It doesn't say that. Honor the satisfactory dad. No. It says, honor your father. Honor him. That your days may be long on the earth. Because honoring your father is a step in the direction of honoring the father. If you can't honor your father on earth, you see, how can you honor your father in heaven, which you don't see? So honoring your father is important. Very important. But they're flawed. They all came with a sin nature. And all have fallen short of God's glory. The standard isn't based on a curve. <laughs> you know, somebody get the A, somebody get B, somebody get C's, somebody get D's, and some some of us got F's. I mean, then you got F's. <laughs> it's not based on a curve. There's one standard, and it's perfection. It's pure holiness, which God has called us to. Would God call us to something that we couldn't obtain? I say no. In fact, if you understand this correctly, according to 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from on unrighteousness. At that point, at that point, 
How much unrighteousness is in your life? None. God perfected you at the point you confess your sins and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. The question isn't can you get to be holy? The question is can you maintain holiness? That's the question. It's not whether you can get there. God's provided a way to get there. But we need to be faithful. Continue living under the direction of God. That's where, that's where it comes into. We've got to fight against the nature which we are born with. We've got to fight against it. It's a battle. It's a choice. Read Romans chapter, and David's going to get there. Read Romans chapter 7. <laughs> well, I, I assume you'll get there before the Lord comes, but who knows? <laughs> Just in case he doesn't. It says, I do what I don't want to do. And that's what I hate, that's what I do. Oh, what a wretched man am I. Has anybody ever been there? I want to do good, I want to do right, and I find out that sin is crouching at the door, ready to, to jump, ready to take possession, and I fight, and I lose. And every time I lose, then I feel guilty. And when I feel guilty, I feel unworthy. And when I feel unworthy, I get depressed. And when I get depressed, I'm open to more sin. Yes. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength, not the depression from my guilt. The joy of the Lord. And if you know what the antidote is, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. How many times will God do that? Well, he came to Jesus and they said, how many times have I got to forgive Bill? <laughs> Seven times got to forgive him? What did Jesus say? Basically said, more than you can count. You just keep on forgiving. Why? Because your father will forgive you. Praise the Lord. I don't even know what number I'm up to now. <laughs> but somewhere in a hundred million, for every thought. Here's the thing. When I became a Christian, I became a Christian young. I became a Christian at six years old. At six. I've had all this time to sin, folks. I had a lot more years than you have. And the standard... <laughs> Don't say I'm good at it. <laughs> and the standard, the standard for a Christian is different than the standard for a non-Christian. What do you mean by that? I simply mean this. James says, to him who knows to do what is right and doesn't do it, it is sin. If you know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, it's sin. When you're Unsaved, you don't know what's good to do. 
you, you really don't have much of a compass, but a very difficult time to actually know what's right. So you do what's right in your own eyes. But Christians who know what they're supposed to do and don't do it, it is sin. So while other people are doing things that are not sin, it's sin for you. At six years old, a boy at six. I've had a lot more time to deal with this issue. And I always thought, the way you handle this is, you make a decision, I will follow him. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sing that at camp. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. That worked at camp. But you see, I have two sisters at home. One older, one younger. And I get back from camp, and it wasn't long before the flesh kicked in. <laughs> I needed to use the restroom, and they're in there painting themselves for three hours. No, it wasn't that long. It just seemed that long. Are you done yet? It's too easy to, too easy to fall. Too easy to fall. So it wasn't just making a decision. <laughs> I wish that was that simple. I've decided this day, from now on, for better, for worse, for richer, for... No, I just... Uh, wrong one. That's the wrong one. <laughs> I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to sin anymore. I have done with it. That does not fly. Because you can't keep that promise until you learn. Until you learn where the power comes from. Not by might, but my, by my power, says the Lord. And the power comes from what Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. What is the greatest asset, or one of the greatest assets a Christian has? I'll tell you what it is. I'm going to surprise you, maybe. It's J-O-Y. Joy. Have you watched a brand new Christian? When they felt the release from all the weight of the burdens that were there, and all of a sudden, they're elated, they're thankful to God, they're full of joy, and you can't get them to be quiet. <laughs> They're full of joy. And that gives them strength. When you're full of joy, you have strength. When you're full of joy, you have strength. That's why it always bothers me if you walk into a church and everybody's going, mm -hmm. how you doing? Mm -hmm. Glad to be here today. Y'all, I'm very glad. So glad. Could you tell your face that you're glad? <laughs> A lot of people walk in and they're just dragging. 
They're just dragging. Man, I got beat up this week. I got beat up this week, and I am tired, weary. But if you learn what and how God created us and made us, you can have victory. You can have victory. And that's simply this. Our Father, our Father knows best. Our Father knows best. So he says, come, let us reason together. This is what I love about God. He'll take the time to give you the understanding. <clears throat> He'll, if you ask for it, he will teach you. He will give you wisdom. He'll give you understanding. He will tell you why you need to walk in the ways and how to do it. And he'll give you the strength to do it. And the more you do it, the more joy is in your life. Because you are being fulfilled by God. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. Not the, let's see, maybe I'll go to church today, maybe I won't. That's not diligent. That's not diligent. Those who diligently seek him, he'll reward. Knock and it'll be opened unto you. Seek and you will find. You got to make a choice to follow the Lord and then I did not fall. <laughs> Every time I do that, my watch said, "Are you okay? Did you fall?" <laughs> yeah, somebody cares. Power is available. Here's what the scripture says. There is no temptation that you face that isn't common to everybody else. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you're able to bear. That's a great promise. Nothing will come your way that you can't overcome. Nothing. You can't say, well, the devil made me do it. I couldn't help myself. If he hadn't said that, then I wouldn't have. No, 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 no. No temptation. Why? Because there is power. Power. Wonder-working power. When you're born again, it says, this is what my father, <laughs> let's go back to the father. We're going to see there's a theme here. My father promised that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with dunamis power. Dunamis in the Greek means miraculous. Dynamic power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power! Power to do what? Power to overcome. Power to be walking in victory instead of defeat. Learn well. 
that when we stumble, what do you have to do? Get up! I don't have the strength to get up. Then call on the name of the Lord. And when you humble yourself in his sight, he will lift you up. There are times you you just don't think you can go another step. You just don't think you can do it. You're just so worn out. I mean, Elijah is up on Mount Carmel, has a great victory, calls down fire from heaven, slaughters all the prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel says, "Uh, you're going to end up the same way as those prophets do. And so instead of saying, the Lord will take protect me. I'm not, a, not afraid. He hightails it out of there. Now, I, I can understand when a woman threatens you. <laughs> I've been there. Let <laughs> me out of here quick. But there's power in the name of the Lord. And he says, call on the name of the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Next scripture. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So what is God's plan for our life? That you struggle and be depressed and feel guilty all the time and wallow in self-misery. I'm a worm, I'm a worm. I think I'll eat some worms. <laughs> people, you won't believe how many people are there. If I go to church, the roof will cave in. I'm just not worthy. I just, no. God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has already prepared in advance, doing it with the right one, see, for you to do. God already has a plan. So I thought, well, if you make this decision and you're going to live for Jesus and you're going to do all these wonderful things and you, and you do these things, yeah, there was a, we had a, a hymn we used to sing. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please him in all that I do. I did. I was striving, but I wasn't pleasing. But I was striving because I was living for Jesus. I'm going to be for him. Youth for Christ, organization they had. I'm for Jesus. I'm for Jesus. Got that backwards. It's not what I do. It's what he does. In fact, I got to let go and let God. You see, 
my own mental thinking and ideas and concepts are not going to make it happen. But I have to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. But instead, in all my ways, acknowledge him, and then he directs my paths. When you're not asking for directions, you're going to get lost. <coughs> when you say, I can do it, I'll figure it out. Don't worry, Lord, I got you. I'll just figure out what do you want. I know. We'll win the world for Christ. That's one of the things we're going to do. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, making all these plans. And your plans are without merit. Because why? Because God has a plan for your life and may not be what you think it is. Let go and let God. Get out of the driver's seat. Quit trying to control everything. Very uncomfortable for us, at least for me. I, I've rode on the back of a motorcycle once. <laughs> and never again. Because I have no idea what the guy in front of me is thinking or doing. Driving down the freeway at who knows how fast, but it was fast. And he decides to stretch his legs without telling me. <laughs> he just stands up. I can't see anything. I don't know why. We're going to die. <laughs> we're headed right towards a car or something. We're going to die. And he sits back down and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm stretching my legs. I had no idea. I don't like not knowing what's going on. Isn't that how we run our lives? Lord, tell me ahead of time. I'll do fine. But don't ask me to step out on the water before you clear it. That's exactly what he told the prophets to do, didn't he? Told the ones carrying the ark. He says, step out into the water. It wasn't clear yet. By faith. <laughs> it's like the guy who was working on the roof. <clears throat> and the, the roof was like four stories above the ground. And he slips and he falls. and He, he slides down the roof and he's... He's hanging by the gutter. And he yells, Is there anybody up there who can help me? Total silence. Please, anybody up there who can help me? Then hear this booming voice. Do you have faith? Yes, I have faith. Let go. There's a pause. Anybody else up there who can help me? <laughs> That's us. God says, let go and trust me. We're going, any, is there any other plans up there? <laughs> trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and then he will direct your paths. He's our heavenly father. He knows what's best. He knows what's best. <clears throat> Even when we go through trials and tribulation, he knows what's best. Because those things create in us maturity. 
Even when we go through tough times, they create in us maturity. What's our next scripture? Not a verse that's in Manchabos. That's the last of Ephesians. How about the next one? Ah. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are, those who love God, to those who are what? Called according to his purposes. Don't always work out good when we're called to our purposes. I have a plan. I don't know as a parent if you ever had a plan for your children. But we certainly did. We wanted to see our children do well. We wanted them to have good things. We had things planned out the way we wanted it to go. But children aren't always cooperative with our plans. (laughs) Right? But that doesn't stop us from having the plan. But here's what God says. If you are according to his purpose. Have you ever stopped to think and say, God, who is my father, please reveal to me what you want done. What's your purpose? Well, I can't hear God. Hmm. My sheep know my voice and they hear me. That's what, that's what Jesus says. My sheep know my voice and hear me. I, I, I just don't hear God. If you don't hear God, you better start asking some questions. Am I connected? Am I on the spiritual internet? Is my spirit connected to God's spirit? If so, he will speak to us and we will hear. Now I'm not talking, I personally have never heard the voice of God in a literal sense. David! Never heard that. I heard it from my parents a few times. but (laughs) But it wasn't, I never heard God speak that way. But have I heard God speak to me? Yes. Yes. And you need to practice that. You need to practice hearing from God. And sometimes you'll find that you can't have confusion going on everywhere. Because he speaks in a still, small voice. But he'll speak to you. And all things, everything, whether it's a death, whether it's sickness. Think of Job in the Bible. He was a very wealthy man. Loved his family. <clears throat> says he offered sacrifices in case they might have sinned. He was offering sacrifice for his children. Loved his children. And then Satan says, he only serves you because you're good to him. Says, so give me, give me opportunity, and I'll, and I'll show you. He won't follow you. So what happened? Lost his family, lost his wealth, 
lost his health. He lost everything. And what he says, though they slay me, yet will I serve him. He was restored, by the way, if you read the whole book. Get to the end of the book, you'll find out he was restored. But it doesn't matter what we go through. The ultimate was who? Jesus, who says, not my will, but your will be done. Who went to the cross and suffered horrendous, torturous death. For what? For the joy, get this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. For the joy that was set before him, we got to learn the secrets of our Father. They're not hard. He has a list of understandings, and he makes them very open to us, very clear to us. He's written them to us in a love letter. How we can learn to live in the Spirit and not walk in the flesh. How we can have victory over sin. How we can become holy like he is holy by being in the Spirit and not in the flesh. How we can have joy in our hearts and in our lives. How we can walk with a step of joy. That's, that's what God wants. He wants you to be full of joy. He wants to give it to you, give it to you your life and give it to you what? More abundantly. Not less abundantly. I remember people say, I don't want to become a Christian because then all my fun's going to be gone. I'm going to tell you something. That's such a line that's just so far from the truth. I've laughed so hard my side hurts. With Christians. Yeah. With Christians. Why? Because we are the most blessed. (laughs) We have a Father who knows everything, who loves us, who cares for us, who's patient with us, who's understanding with us, who loves us beyond all measure. We have a Father who protects us and cares for us. We have a Father who is perfect in every way and is good, and he wants the best for us. Man, how much more could you have? God is fantastic. He knows best. He knows what's best in your life, knows what's best in my life. Just out of curiosity. We have any fathers here today who have more than four children? Would you stand? More than four children. More than five. More than six? Okay, five. Five, both point five. Oh, it's six. Good for you, huh? 
Five, okay, so we got five, five, and six. I think that uh, that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful because God says that those are the quivers in our pouch. Children are a blessing, not a liability. Amen. Most children, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think after 32, you should not have children because 32 children is plenty. Just had to get everybody awake again because he had something. He said in a senior's class, he used to do that when it got real quiet, you know, people are starting to doze off. I tell a joke and they, what do you say? What do you say? What did I miss? What did I miss? You never know when the jokes are coming, folks. You understand that God is the best father and we don't even honor him like we should. On Father's Day, churches ought to be filled to the brim. They ought to be overflowing. Why? To honor the Father. The greatest Father ever. Honor the Father. And how often should you do that? Just on Father's Day? No. Every day. Would you please learn this? That those who diligently seek him will be rewarded. And you know what he does with the ones who are iffy? According to Revelation, what does he do? Spits them out of his mouth. You don't want to be there. You want to be diligently seeking him, diligently striving to get rid of your own decision-making, choosing to live in the Spirit, led by the Spirit, strengthened by the Spirit, taught by the Spirit. <laughs> First John says, you don't have need that anyone should teach you because the Spirit within you will teach you all things. And Jesus said that. I'm going, I'm going to send you the comforter who will teach you all things. The Spirit's going to guide you, lead you, teach you, give you wisdom, give you understanding. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love! What follows love? Joy! <laughs> I'm going to hit this thing as many times as I can because we don't have enough joy in the church. We really don't. We have lots of problems. Would you pray for this? Would you pray for that? Would you do this? And we should bear one another's burdens because that fulfills the law of Christ. We should do that. But we should do it with joy. I was glad when they said unto me, I was filled with joy when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. I was filled with joy when somebody said, would you intercede for me? Yes. Because it's not up to me, it's up to him. And he wants to minister to people. Give them strength, give them life, give them happiness, joy, fulfillment. He's the greatest father ever. 
And we're his children. We're his children. Read first John, excuse me, read Gospel of John, verses 12 and 13. Not going to do it right now. This is your assignment. Read 12 and 13. Both verses, because they're connected. Read it. You're going to find out who your father is. And you're going to find out he loves you. He loves you so much. You can't find one who loves you more than our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed is his name. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who eats of me shall live. Which is going to lead us right into communion. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes.